This is The Process on Sirius XM Stars, offering guidance and insight into the college admissions process. Now, here are Eric J. Ferda and Eileen cunningham Fikens. Welcome to The Process on Sirius XM Stars. Eric Ferda, Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania, here live at Sirius XM Studios in New York City. Usually at that point, we would hear woo, woo, from Eileen cunningham Fikens, who is actually on vacation and not in studio with us today. She will join us again at the end of August. But Scott, you're here. Thanks for not abandoning me and going on vacation. <laughs> so the, sh- the show, The Process, dives into the journey of the college admissions process. We explore the inside of the college search process to help families, to help students, educators, counselors, teachers, wherever you are in the world, in the timeline of the college process, we want to provide useful and actionable advice for you. So parents, students, counselors, here we are at the end of July, live from New York City. We want to hear from you, 866-993-8267, 866-993-8267, or email us at theprocess at SiriusXM.com. And do this throughout the month. I mean, what's really exciting is, and Scott knows this, is we, we get calls throughout the month, and we love fielding those questions when we're back with you at the end of each month. I'm really excited today to have a a dear friend with me, Carol Sutton Lewis, who is the founder of Ground Control Parenting. She gives advice and really helps parents and families in this process. We'll talk a little bit more about her background, but Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Eric. It's great to be here. And you said before we came into the studio that you have radio in your blood a little bit? What What was that about? <laughs> yes, in fact, as I walked into the booth, I had a wonderfully familiar feeling. Um, my family owned radio stations when I was young. In fact, uh, here in New York City, WBLS. And while I was never on the air, I definitely had my nose pressed up against the glass as I watched <laughs> everyone talking and, and dancing because it was a music station. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Well, you're on the other side of the glass today, and we're thrilled to have you. In the second half of the show, we have Alan Katzman joining us. He's the founder and CEO of Social Assurity. So families, you know, parents, we know you're sitting there right now and you're sitting next to your teenage son or daughter. And what are they doing, Carol? They're on their phones, phones. right? (laughs) You know, they're Snapchatting, they're Instagramming, they're Facebooking, they're tweeting, they're doing whatever they do when they're not paying attention to what we have to say. So Alan Katzman is going to help us think about kind of social media presence in the second half of the show. So, Carol, I mean, we've worked together before. I've really enjoyed when we had an opportunity. Gee, it seems so long ago. When when we were at Hunter College, when was that? Was that ah, June? No, April. That was in April. Spring. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was longer than I thought, so mm-hmm. I'm not aging myself too much on it. <laughs> what was that experience? So you went in and, and met with parents. You talked about the college process. What was the genesis of the idea to even teach a class at Hunter College here in New York City? And what did you learn from that? What was the demand side? And then what did you learn from the experience? I had a great opportunity to teach, to develop uh, courses on parenting through Hunter College's continuing education program. And when I began to think about what parents wanted to know about, one of the obvious things I landed on was college admissions. It's the thing that once parents get through the normal sort of quandary, the quandary of parenting, you know, getting them into schools and getting them through schools, and then suddenly they're in high school and college looms. It's a thing that makes parents really nervous or can make parents really nervous. And since I have been through this process four times, including myself, but three children all through college, one of them is still in college, but I've been through the process and I've spent a lot of time over the past 
20 some odd years just researching a lot of parenting issues, including admissions issues, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to get a group of parents in the room and basically calm their concerns. That's right. To it's, just, it's kind of therapy too, in a way, isn't it? <laughs> it? It really is. I mean, regardless of what has happened with you and your child up until this point, you all, all parents know they have this job to do. And the job is to help their child get into college. All, all parents who are focused that way, and I hope and believe that many parents are focused that way, yes. and their, their job is to help their child figure this out. And Whereas if you had any other experience with admissions when they were little, you ba they basically did what you said. Yes. You know, sort of show up. And, Particularly whether applying to, to kindergarten right, in New York exactly. City. Exactly. Or, or taking tests. Whatever they had to do, you kind of marched them in and they would do it. The college process is so different because you're dealing with a young adult with their own ideas and their own visions. And, and it's a particularly kind of um, interesting time in terms of parent-child relationship in the teens because they know a lot. And, and but they don't know anything about Correct. the process and they, they harbor a lot of anxiety about it, which manifests itself in many ways. Not always, they don't always come and say, I'm really nervous about this. They're sort of acting out. So it can be a really tough time for parents just to relate to your child, never mind, get them through the process. So that, that's right. I decided that it would be helpful since I'd been there and I kind of knew 360 of this to some degree. If I got parents in a room and basically asked them what they were concerned about, but came in with a with a curriculum that helped them see their way from the beginning to the end, and with help of great guests like you, <laughs> <laughs> we were able to get a lot of good information out. Well, it, it, it's it's really interesting. You know, here we are on Sirius XM Stars One Hundred Nine Eight Six Six Nine Nine Three Eight Two Six Seven, and. You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting going in front of a classroom. Mm -hmm. I find, you know, radio can be, you know, you feel the energy, you feel the nerves a little bit. But boy, when you're sitting there with a group of individuals in front of you, they've paid for it too, right? Mm -hmm. This was a tuition, mm -hmm. you know, class <laughs> yeah. at Hunter College. And, you know, there's an expectation there. And what I really observed when I was outside of the classroom before I came in as a guest into, into your classroom is I, I was hearing you. I couldn't see you, but mm -hmm. I, I heard your voice and you had that both self you know assuring tone i think that was really important you had this tone that conveyed hey you can do this while also you were giving them real advice just like we do on this show it's like you know this is the way you need to think about you know signing up for the sat or when do you take an, an extra subject test so we're going to cover some of those questions later on uh, for the first half of the show but why don't you tell us a little bit carol about ground control parenting the class was kind of standalone in some ways, but it's really an evolution from other work that you have done. Can you describe this a little bit? Sure, sure. So Ground Control Parenting is a blog that I have been working on since 2011. It came about because I'd spent a lot of time in my uh, adult life, when after I started having children, focusing on researching parenting skills. I I came into the concept of parenting knowing some, but realizing that I needed to have some more parenting information. I wanted to uh, make sure that I could um, tackle issues that I hadn't encountered in my own childhood. I had three kids, I had a daughter and two sons, and um, I, I really was interested in making sure that I was as ready as I could be. And then after years of sets, getting this information and amassing it, I, I needed, I was done in a sense and that they'd all kind of made their way. And I said, well, I've got this information. Let me put it I'll out. Share it. And so, and so that has been my mission over the past few years, really 
helping parents to see what they do as a very important skill set. And as and with any skill set, it can be improved. I, I find that so many of my friends who in who are devoted parents don't have as much time as I did yes. to think about the various smaller but important things that they could do along the way. And when I went through the college admissions process, I realized there were a lot of small things that parents <laughs> that could, could really do. add up. And 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 if you overlay a parent's relative nervousness about the process with all these little things that they would it would be helpful for them to know, I figured it was a good opportunity to talk about it. And so I did in the blog a lot. I talked about it in the blog over years. I just went back and looked at some of my archives, and I've been talking about the college process for some time. And then. As I am now, all my children are gone and are grown, and, and the last one's in college, and they're all out of the house, and I'm figuring out what more I can do with this parenting platform because it's really important to me that I continue to share the information. The opportunity to teach this class came up, and so I loved having the opportunity to take some of what I'm writing and what I continue to write. I still blog and bring it to live conversation, which frankly is more fun. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna go over more of this. Really excited for the rest of this half hour. As we head to break, give us a call with your questions, 866-993-8267. The process will be right back. You're listening to The Process on Sirius XM Stars, offering guidance and insight into the college admissions process. Here again are Eric J. Ferda and Eileen cunningham Fikin. Welcome back to The Process. Eric Ferda, Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania last weekend in July, which means, Scott, what? That Eileen just flew the coop, not even in the booth with us here in New York City today. So doing a bit of a solo act here on The Process. But actually, no, because I'm joined with a good friend of mine, Carol Sutton Lewis from Ground Control Parenting. You know, C- Carol, we were talking about, you know, working at Hunter College in the class that you teach and also your, your blog and Ground Control Parenting. What's really interesting, I think, about, you know, for everybody in this process, for the families that are listening to us, the parents, you know, sometimes the question is, how early is too early? Now, you have experience as a trustee at a K through 12 school, or you, you've had that experience. You're also a graduate of our alma mater, the University of Pennsylvania. Hurrah, 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 hurrah <laughs> Pennsylvania, and Stanford Law School. And you sit on the boards of those schools, too. So the question I have here is, you really see this continuum of K through 16 and beyond, really, with law school education. And, you know, again, there are parents in New York who are applying to kindergarten, and it feels like the college process, <laughs> applying to high schools, applying to college. And this is a wide-ranging question. How do you think about that continuum of K through, I mean, even graduate school, and what changes, I guess, you know, (laughs) and as a parent yourself, that kindergartner going off to that student going off to college, what are some of the shifts or changes that you've observed along that continuum? Well, I'll answer that question by a little differently and say that um, one of the things that um, doesn't change in any admissions (laughs) That's a great way of approaching it. (laughs) Is that... A parent is not going to the school. Parents, the first thing parents have to do is remember they're not going to be a student in whatever school they're applying to. And it's easier to remember that, I hope, when you've got a kindergartner starting the process. That's right. Um, although in, here in New York City, where the competition is so great and, and parents get very invested in it, sometimes even a kindergartner gets, <laughs> they get confused. But it gets really difficult to make that distinction when your child goes to college. I mean, so if, if, for many, many parents, whether you've not gone to college 
whether you went to a college that you loved, if you went to a college you didn't like, whatever your experience is really weighs into the way that you look at the admissions process. That's right. And so if the the first step of the process to to remain calm, because frankly, that is the most important thing as a parent, you remain calm. That's right. And the first step to remaining calm is to keep this mantra in your head. It's, I'm not applying. My child is applying. And that helps in several ways. It helps you take a step back when you need to and look at the places that you are looking at for your child as schools for your child and and the the what you really must do in that process is know who your child is that's right and who is different from you i mean a, a funny aside is that when i was 12 my father took me to the college that he wanted me to go to <laughs> <laughs> and it was in subtle hints right <laughs> it was a love it's a lovely a wonderful university and it was in the south and it was really hot and we drove there from new york city which is where i'm from and i seem to remember intense heat and um a lot. It was incredibly hot. I was hungry, and we had to stop at this school. And he proudly said, "This is where you're going." And in my 12 year old head, I said, "I said aloud, okay, Daddy." And in my head, I said, <laughs> "I am absolutely not going to this school." So, <laughs> I learned very early on that from a parenting perspective, the last thing you want to do is be so invested in the process that you know where your child, where you want your child to go. That's that's right. You know, what's really interesting about that too. At at any age, you know, your 12 year old self, you know, your 18 year old self, as you're taking a look at schools is something like the weather or the fact that you didn't have breakfast that morning. You know, so parents out there, you know, as you're really thinking about this process, you there's a, there's some variables that are kind of like basic building blocks as well. Like, make sure your child is hydrated. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's get out there. It's going to be a hot day. It may rain. Let's have that umbrella. I mean, really just ground level practical advice. Absolutely. And, and I would say, since we're in July and college visits may be happening, and they should be because this is a great relaxed time for your, you and your children to look at campuses, you want to just make sure that you are um, focused on the, the, uh, the process as you're going through it. You're focused on um, making sure that in um, the... Just really the practical pieces that you need to see. That, absolutely. You know, just... the, the, that you don't schedule more than two to three visits a day. In fact, Amazing. I would say... How many would you say? Because two we're writing a book on this right now. <laughs> so two would I be the would max. Say That's what we two feel. Two is the maximum because, to your point, you have a hungry child, you have a tired child, you have a, an overwhelmed child. I think That's right. the, the concept of when you set foot on any campus as a student, you suddenly have to think of a lot of different things. You That's have right. to think about could I go here? What's this like? What's the process of going to a school going to be like? Do yes. I like this? I mean, yeah, what, what do I feel even? Exactly. And it's kind of hard to sort of force yourself to feel things instantly. That's right. And if it's raining or if it's cold, or even if your tour guide is crazy or some, something you don't like about it, it can so influence oh, your boy. perspective on the school. That, 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 that connection with the tour guide is big. We know, you know, here as an admissions dean at, at the University of Pennsylvania, and I'm thinking it's like, I know that really the most credible voice are our tour guides. They're volunteers. They're approximate in age. And and they do a great job. Mm-hmm. While with 70,000 people visiting a campus, everyone's not going to connect in that way. There's going to be times where, well, they might even shut a student out right away because they said they're studying a certain field and mm-hmm. they're not interested in that field. So I think the piece of advice here is really you have to think more broadly, even if that person isn't doing exactly what you think you would do 
on that college campus. I I did have a very specific example in one school I visited with my daughter. The tour guide was really terrible. And I loved this school, and I was sorry that she was making such a bad impression. So what I would say, what we did then, what I would advise if that happens, if you just get a sort of a lemon of a tour guide, that you encourage your child to talk to people on campus. Um, Actually, my daughter had a plan just generally when she went to schools. She would randomly pick three people and ask them. Amazing. I love this advice. Would you... That she would walk up to them on campus and say, I'm thinking about coming here. Can you tell me what year you are, where else you thought about coming, why you decided to come to this school, and are you enjoying it? And when you run into students on college campuses, they're really very friendly. They're generally friendly, and, right? And um, she, it didn't take, a, my daughter is, is friendly, but she's not extremely extroverted. So it didn't take much for her to be able to engage people. And people were really, really friendly. And you get a much better sense of, and a much more candid and honest sense of what the students feel on the campus. So that can give your child a lot of information. It can also kind of counteract a, a lemon of a yes, guide. Yes. I mean, it can give you a different and a better impression of what it actually is like to go to the school. Well, and, and I think that, you know, as we said, the, last weekend in July, people are visiting Penn's campus right now and other college campuses, making sure that they're not overwhelming themselves by trying to visit three or four in a day logistically. That just doesn't work. While also having that type of plan like your daughter had saying, this is something that I'm going to do, but she has to do it on every visit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for the parents, you know, for the students that are listening, you know, you can't just do that at one place because that right. could skew the perspective if you don't have kind of a methodology to go through. And we want to hear from you throughout the month. I think this is great information from Carol Sutton Lewis, 866-993-8267, or shoot us an email at the process at SiriusXM.com. And Carol, thank you so much. I know that some of your students we're thrilled to have you in the class. And also a couple of them submitted some questions for the show. So one of those email questions is, colleges appear to look for well-rounded students with strong academic qualifications, leadership experience, and a multitude of extracurricular activities. In an attempt to check all the right boxes, how do you keep your child from being burned out? And boy, I think there are so many pieces there. And you know, my first lean into this question is going to be, you know, you're not going through life having this college process drive you. If all you're doing right now is saying, okay, here are the five boxes I need to check over the next three months because it's going to, quote unquote, look good on my college application, boy, not only are you going to be burned out, you're just not going to be happy. You know, you can't be, you know, okay, I'm going to, you know, engage in this type of activity because I think that that's what the colleges want. That's not where your interests are, your ideas aren't located there. Can you, Carol, talk about kind of that burnout factor, particularly maybe as you've observed, you know, children going through the, the, the process and also the families that have asked you this question. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, being at a New York City school and seeing students who want to try to do everything and they feel that competition around them. What about that burnout feeling? So this actually just occurred to me because I've been thinking about this recently. One of a really valuable lesson for people in general, but particularly you should have as a younger person, is the understanding that there's always going to be someone in the world who seems to do X or Y better than you. (laughs) Yeah, let's face it, right? I mean, that doesn't, that shouldn't stop Except being a producer, Scott. There is not a better producer than you. I I don't mean that to say that it should sap your confidence, but I think it, it level sets your ability to have confidence because if you view yourself as someone who has to be the absolute best at everything, which is what you think colleges are looking for, 
you no one can be the absolute best at everything. That's right. And it gets in the way of you knowing your strengths and playing to your strengths and developing your your personality, not just for college, but exactly. just in developing yourself. So if you kind of start with the proposition that every there are a lot of great people in the world <laughs> and you're going to be one of them, but there are going to be people that do that that get a better grade in something right. or, or that do a better sport or better at sports activities or so just to take that um, sense of I if I just stay awake long enough or add more things on I'm going to yes. get to the top of that mountain that's right and and when I get there all these wonderful things will happen and if you do that you could feel relieved I mean exactly. you know let's I mean, face it now, now I want to be clear I'm not suggesting that anyone sort of reduce their expectations of themselves that's and a great parents. point don't don't I'm not suggesting your children should just relax because they'll never get there but I really just mean it's an important thing for everyone to keep in the back of their minds and for children because they get very anxious about this process. I mean, who wouldn't? You got everybody around you is suddenly asking you those questions. Yes. And and your your classmates who you've known for a while have suddenly your competitors and that's just you want to get as far away from that yes. perception as possible. I mean you want your child to get as far away from that perception. And one of the ways you do it is you you know your child should know him or herself. You should know your child. What are the strengths? What are the things that to your point that make you happy to do? And I think that if you can focus on those things, I mean, we don't live in a world where no one thinks about college admissions. I mean, you can't say, forget about what could look good in college. I mean, you can't do that, not in this world. But you can try to be reasonable. You can you can set a, a standard of, of reasonableness early on, before, I'm talking about freshman year in high school, before middle school, before you get to the point where you have to sort of lay it all out and be judged on it. I, I, I worry when parents are so invested in what looks good as a kind I understand the question yes. because it is ultimately a, a judgment, but I would ask parents who are focused a lot on what would look good and to to consider that things only look as good as your child enjoys them and as they can sort of feel good about the process. That's I mean, right. You 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 can't have um, you can't a child is not going to respond well to the concept that they are doing this thing because it's going to look good on their college uh, application in great part because you know better than anyone else <laughs> not everyone gets into every school that they want to that's and right if you set this up as you do all this stuff you excel at all of this you you do all of these things you get to the top of the mountain and then you get the prize. <laughs> yes. We see more and more. And then you say, now what? Yeah. You know, here, here I am. <laughs> okay, I made the top exactly. of the mountain, but. <laughs> and, you know, it happens that you're, you think you're a perfect candidate for a school and, and you just aren't. And so dealing with the disappointment, if, if there is that, is much harder if you've just been gearing yourself towards this one sort of mecca-like moment when, as we all know, as I know now with children out of college, it's actually not, it's very important. But there are other important life happenings besides the college process. So... You, you want to just sort of take a step back from feeling as if you, your child has to keep running on this treadmill. That's right. And, and it, if, if they can focus on the things they really like, if you can now, if they really like sitting on the TV, on the sofa and watching television. We're going to have to manage that. that. <laughs> we're we're going to manage this, 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 the screen time. Carol Sutton Lewis of Ground Control Parenting. In the last couple of minutes that we have here in the first half of the show, you know, what you were saying before about kind of accepting and acknowledging that there's going to be that person who gets the higher grade, may be smarter, may, you know, be a better actress, whatever the case may be, which, by the way, is 
thrilling too because yeah. you want to be near people who absolutely. are like that. That's going to get the, the best out of you know that mm-hmm. that's going it's to motivate. Inspiring. It is. It's absolutely inspiring and it can motivate you. Mm-hmm. There's also, you kind of get that sense, and I know this on, on college campuses like Penn, that sometimes people feel, you know, with imposter syndrome. They'll mm-hmm. feel like, why am I here? And I think it's really important for the, the, the families that are listening to us, the students that are listening to us, is really feeling that, you know, no, every person that seems so self-assured, they probably are asking the same questions you're asking. Mm-hmm. And I know that we really encourage students to seek out the support on the campus from academic advisors and others. In our our final few seconds here, any advice about tapping into those resources? That's a really, thanks for that question, Eric, because it's very, very important. You know, it's funny, as you were saying that, I was thinking that small wonder that you get to college and you have this concern because what you've been doing for the past year is presenting yourself as the best of the best of the best. Yes. And you have been sort of acknowledging that there are other people that are presenting themselves this way. You get into your dream school and then suddenly you're like, oh my goodness, everybody around me has is the best of the best of the best. Where does that leave me? You know, I, I, you were accustomed to where you fell in high school and then suddenly you're in college. The great news is that everyone in school feels similarly. And so you have a That's lot right. of company. And I found with all of my children... As soon as I got to college and they they discovered that, first of all, they were prepared academically, and if they weren't in any way, they knew how to use the resources to help them feel confident that way. And then also that fellow classmates felt the same way. I mean, everybody feels that way to some degree. It enabled them to sort of calm down and, and really enjoy the process. So I would encourage, once you get through this hurdle and, and get to the wonderful point where your child's headed off to college, really encourage them to seek out where how they can get help on campus. Um, it may be that before, in high school, you, the parent, kind of guided them in that direction. Make sure they feel confident in getting help because everyone's going to need it at some point in college. That's right. So the, the, the lesson here is ask for that help. Carol, thank you for being on the show. Wow, Carol Sutton-Lewis from Ground Control thank Parenting. So much, Eric. We're going to have Alan Katzman from Social Assurity up next on The Process. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Process on Sirius XM Stars, offering guidance and insight into the college admissions process. Here again are Eric J. Ferda and Eileen cunningham Fiken. Welcome back to The Process on Sirius XM Stars 109. Eric Ferda, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania, flying without my partner in the process today. For some reason, she thought she could take a vacation at the end of July. Who does that, Scott? Come on, vacations, end of July. But I'm really excited to have in studio in this last weekend of July, Alan Katzman, who is the founder and CEO of Social Assurity, which gives students the insight, knowledge, and tools to put their best self forward online and engage with the schools, companies, and influencers that will help them get into college, land their dream internship, job, or get into graduate school. Alan, yes. setting the bar high there. Welcome to the show. <laughs> well, thank you, Eric. It's great to be here. And our, our good friend David Charlotte made this introduction, so we really appreciate that that he made this introduction. You, you know, Alan, when you think about so, social media, the questions that, I mean, it, it fills everyone's life, particularly these teens. Tell us a little bit about the founding of Social Assurity, when that came to you, and just how that idea formed, and then what it was like implementing this business. That's an easy answer. <laughs> Six years ago, about today, the idea came to me. Amazing. I was working here in the city and walking home, I just had this idea. Both of my kids at the time were in college. And at that point, they open up their social media to parents. 
And I was seeing what they were posting, Mm -hmm. and they were just amplifying a very small sliver of their life, their social life. That's right. Because their audience is their friends. And in my role, what I I was working on at the time, we were doing a lot of hiring for government. Okay. Government projects. So due diligence, we started looking at social media as a scrutiny. Yes. And um, it just dawned on me. What I was seeing didn't represent these people very well. And then I started researching. And at the time, uh, the Kaplan survey okay. right, uh, had it at about 30% or 25% of college admissions officers will look at social media. And then I was thinking about my kids. I said, if they were implied, applying to college, nobody would pay any attention to them. That, that's you know it's it's interesting you know that that survey saying okay so what's important to you in the college process asking these the surveys of admission officers admissions deans it's like what do you look at what don't you look at what's the relative weight and so even at that stage you're saying 25 to 30 percent were actively going in and taking a yeah. look at students and and the numbers are even greater today yes and I, I can get into that in a bit but when I started researching all the advice was less is more. You can hide your social media. Mm-hmm. You don't want, it was, there was a fear of being rejected as a result of social media and nobody was really looking at it at the other way. Well, if they're looking. There was no upside, yeah, basically. If they're looking, give them something to see. And and as we know, it's very competitive. Yes. Everybody's got grades. Everybody's got test scores. Everybody's got AP credits. Everybody's got activities. Yes. So if they're looking, they're looking to see who you are as a person. What's your character? Do you have a commitment to an activity? Are you mature? Are you going to fit here on this campus? Yes. And so I had this idea. Nobody is teaching what I'm teaching, that this is a tool and it's a learned skill. Yes. Like any other communication skill. So I thought there was an opportunity to bring this into high school students looking to get into college, maybe vying for an athletic scholarship, financial scholarship, um, trying to get into grad schools, internships, and ultimately employment. So we work with Mostly students from high school through college. Okay. And it's we're, we're going to be six years old officially on Labor Day. That's absolutely and amazing. And it, you know, we have staying power and we're getting more and more traction every year. So it's been very exciting. So, uh, Scott, the last weekend of August, we're going to get the like happy anniversary song. Uh-huh. And let's remember to give a great shout out. Thank six you. years to Social Assurity. You're listening to The Process on Sirius XM Stars 109. Eric Verda, Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania, 866-993-8267. Give us a call throughout the month. And I know with Alan Katzman here from Social Assurity, we're going to get some questions over the month. So we'll have to queue them up. And actually, Scott, we are going to some voicemail because you know we have some listeners that are interested in this. Hello, this is Arun Panasami, Chief Academic Officer of CollegeWise. My question is, when discussing social media and college admissions, it's pretty easy to focus on all the ways using it can go wrong for a student. I think we've all heard those stories. Are there any examples out there where social media was additive to a student's application, particularly at a highly selective school, perhaps even transform the opportunity to be admitted? Thank you. Well, so this this is pretty interesting. It's a great a great question, and I'm sure at, at College Wise, you know, uh, Arun is getting questions like this. So, so Alan, this is framed a bit with what you have already said. But what is that like that additive factor now? Now you're saying there is an upside. They could see these character traits. There's different elements that you would like to try to communicate. And, you know, this is only going to increase, I would think, as well as social media becomes even more pervasive within everything that we do. So to, to Arun's question, what, what, what are your thoughts? 
Well, I think where that's going is that it's everybody gets advice. You need to stand out these days, right? You have to be a standout applicant. And I think it's very hard to stand out within the confines of a college application because they don't give you any room to stand out. Yeah. What are those spaces actually where you can do this then? Yes. Right. And that's where I see social media coming into play. And to Arun's point, um, I don't know specifically right, where social media for our, the clients we work with, what, what that's triggered. Yes. But I do know that our um, results of getting students into selective schools is beyond what the probability would be looking at the, the admission statistics every year. Um, one example to answer Arun's question, a few years ago, I was asked to speak at the School of the New York Times uh, during one of their college events. Oh, that's fantastic. And a journalist heard a story that I told and she wrote a story about that story for the newspaper. And it had to do with a student who was applying to Harvard um, early action, and we work with the student to help him build a LinkedIn profile. Now, we're very big fans of LinkedIn because it doesn't interfere with their social activities. Yes. And we realized early on that if you tell your student today, if you're a parent listening, and you tell the student, you know, I heard this radio show, and you just won an Eagle Scout award, hmm. why don't you put that up on your Instagram? Yes. There's no way they would ever do that. They know it's good for them, That's but right. they're posting to entertain their friends. <laughs> That's right. And they're defining a persona by what they decide to post. They are not going to post their Eagle Scout Award in their Instagram feed. Zero probability. So LinkedIn gives them this green pasture. That's it's amazing. A, it's, it's creating content for a different audience. It's just like here in these studios. You know, there are different channels. That's right. Different content. Yes. And they have to recognize that we teach this and we teach elements of self-identification, you know, creating your digital identity that colleges would find. But getting back to the Harvard story, the LinkedIn profiles, when we counsel students, we don't want it to be a, per a personal statement or a cut and paste of their resume. Yes. That's just repetitive. Yes. So what we teach them about is soft skills time management, maturity, problem solving, commitment, teamwork. All those pieces that are actually make you successful or help you be successful. Exactly, and, and I'm a big proponent. We, we have our students read the websites of the colleges they're interested in. What are your observations from that? What are they coming back with? And does well, it all sound alike? Now, now I need like the, the information no. for the Dean of Admissions at Penn. It's well, like, yeah, y'all no, are sounding alike. I, well, actually they're not because I think if you take it seriously, so I think most people, urban legend, it's just all about grades and test scores, AP, whatever. And the higher it is, the better, and not necessarily. If you read the websites, it's about character, yeah. right? It's about fit. That's right. Um, because they want you to be successful. They don't want to take a student that is not going to succeed because they won't fit into that environment. That's right. And um, so, so this student um, loved playing violin since age eight. And... His LinkedIn profile that he built wasn't about playing violin since age eight, <laughs> but it was taking lessons he learned about himself through the years of commitment to violin and, and being part of the school orchestra and the community orchestra and number of hours that um, took from his time. And yet he still had very solid grades. So he presented itself as time management skills, 
That's right? fantastic. Teamwork, commitment. You couldn't miss a rehearsal unless you were sick. Why? Because it would be unfair to everybody else in the That's orchestra. Right. And he put that Accountability. Out. Accountability. And the, the beauty of that story is that uh, within a month after he submitted his application, we got a phone call. Um, he was notified on LinkedIn, someone from Harvard College looked at his LinkedIn profile. Now, we now that's interesting, too, because now you have a view into who's yeah, watching. And that's why I'm Is using there anybody this. out there, right? That's why I'm using this as an answer. Now, we instructed him, because Harvard always has a supplemental question. This is not the exact wording, but it's usually something. Um, is there anything about you that you would like us to know that you haven't already told us? Yes. And his answer to that question was, I think I've told you everything you need to know, but if you want to learn more about me, so please check out my LinkedIn profile. And he put in his URL. So that is, see, that's how we get to a, about 80% of colleges looking at social media. We invi invite them to look, be transparent. That's right. So Harvard looked, and a few weeks later, he got notified he was admitted early action to Harvard. So I said the story at the School of the New York Times, and the New York Times ran an article about it and spoke to the students, spoke to the students' parents. And about <clears throat> two weeks later, Harvard Crimson, the student newspaper, wrote about <laughs> it. And they actually interviewed Dean Fitzsimmons. Amazing. Do you, does Harvard look at social media like they were shocked? And his answer was really quite brilliant, actually. He said, if someone sends us a link of any kind, any kind, and we think it would advance their case for admission, we will certainly take a look at it. That's right. That's right. So the, the, the lesson here is, you know, the invitation, right? right? The student saying is directing them because otherwise they may not take that, that, that step. Probably won't. Pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, that absolutely. They just wouldn't have the time or where am exactly. I, where am I looking? And, and then the fact that you're able to see into this a little bit, that yeah. there was some activity and then, and then the follow-up. That's really fantastic. Eric Furter, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Pennsylvania, coming to you from New York City. This is The Process on Sirius XM Stars, 866-993-8267. Last weekend in July, give us a call throughout the month, and we'll get back to you around Labor Day. The summer's flying by. This is crazy. With Alan Katzman from Social Assurity. You know, Scott, maybe we'll go to another voicemail, which can give some, some energy to thinking about social media media because I think all these things are connected. Hi, I have a senior child uh, that is a rising senior who is trying to navigate the college recruitment uh, process for a sport, uh, looking at highly elite uh, D3 academic universities. Uh, he's being courted by uh, a number of teams and they want him to apply early decision which would eliminate the opportunity to get any academic aid. Um, wondering uh, if you had any thoughts about that issue. And uh, he stands, academically, he has high test scores and a high grade point, and I would think would qualify for the academic aid. How do you navigate academic aid versus academic recruitment? Any advice you'd have with regard to this situation, I'd appreciate 
I think there's a couple different pieces that we can that we can take from this question. You know, number one, the first part of the question or part of the question is about the separation of athletic aid and perhaps academic aid, which I don't, although they're separate in terms of the evaluation part of it, one doesn't have to box out the other. And I think maybe implicit in this question is if I'm applying early decision somewhere, will schools then not give me as much money because they know they have me, which I do not believe is the behavior anywhere, even at a need-based financial aid school like the University of Pennsylvania. Applying early decision is not going to influence how much aid you receive. The other part is, you know, and congratulations, your child is being actively recruited. That's putting schools on their lists. The way I usually feel about athletic recruitment is it's the greatest opportunity because you can get a, a really close look and know where you stand in some ways if the coaches have asked the admissions office to take a look at your academic record. While also there's some pressure involved around this too, because the coaches need to know. They want to know whether you're going to commit there or not. I think with having Alan Katzman here from Social Assurity, how, you know, this this family, the child is already on someone's radar as an athletic recruit. Is there a role in social media to help your child get on a coach's, you know, there's camps right now, all these elite camps, but, you know, you can't assure yourself that the coach is going to see you in that moment when you make that play. So is there a role for, for social uh, media here? Yeah, absolutely, Eric. Uh, we've done a lot of work with athletes uh, in partnership with uh, professionals who work with uh, gifted athletes, and social media is a huge part of the recruiting process. Um, you know, I can give you the numbers again for college admissions officers, and I'll give you the number for athletic recruits 100%. Yeah. I mean, every recruit's social media is scrutinized because, again, character. Maybe is, even more so, right? Oh, oh yeah. absolutely more so because of character. They, they, they want um, athletes who are going to be about the team, who are going to be coachable, who aren't going to be the about me athletes. That's a great way of putting and it. And a lot of recruits have been um, taught to have a social media presence, but my criticism of that is that it's all about their athletics. It's there about it's about their achievements, their awards. It's about um, you know it, how fast they can run, how high they can jump, their stats, and it's all wrong. And there's a lot of companies that that are making a fortune on these uh, profiles, Huddle and uh, Sports Threat, and and good for them. What we counsel, and again, it, it ties into my last answer, yes. is show your other side. That's it. Show your other side. So. Twitter is very, very popular among athletic recruits, um, and most will link their Twitter account to Huddle or a YouTube channel that highlights their great catch or their sports accomplishments. We take it another way. No, put it to your Instagram. Okay. Maybe you're, insta maybe you're also in into digital photography or forestry, or you have these other interests. Yes. You can put out a good portfolio or put it to your LinkedIn where you can, like I said last time, talk about the soft skills yes. that you've learned from the field and also highlight some of your other accomplishments, which will make you more well-rounded and make, I think, make you more appealing to the admissions office, office which especially after the scandal, That's right. is going to be working very closely in due diligence, A, to make sure you're active in the sport. Yes. And two, that you are able, you will be able to succeed academically at that institution. And you can't just focus on athletics and expect to succeed as, as much as you want to. So we, it's that balance that's critically important. And again, social media is an absolute powerful platform to deliver the information that people want to see about you. 
Well, Alan, th- this is really interesting. Alan Katzman from Social Assurity, listening to the process, 866-993-8267. Alan, what's really interesting here is you talked about audience and content and you know, the audience for social media usually being their peers. Yes. And then you, you brought up different platforms, LinkedIn as an example for a certain purpose, kind of the softer skills. How do you see, but how do you see the interplay between these different spaces? Are they do they need to be active across multiple platforms and the platforms change themselves as well? And so what might be one today is going to be something different yeah. tomorrow. But it's very interesting because it does seem that you're talking about audience and then the interplay between these different platforms. How do you see that as you counsel in kind of a, a comprehensive way? It's, I think it, it comes down to very individual formula, Okay. Uh, a recipe depending on the person. So if we work with somebody who's more artistic or visual, LinkedIn really doesn't work, <laughs> right? Which is why I mentioned Instagram. Yes. Uh, Instagram is the most popular social media platform now for this demographic. But these students can create multiple channels, multiple profiles. And again, they can highlight if they're visual, if they're into design or art history or architecture, right? They can show their, the depth of their interest and show and, and essentially communicate to a college, I didn't conjure up this interest yes, overnight exactly. to impress you. Sustained commitment, okay. Yeah. Um, and the answer also, you, there's another question you had asked, and we don't think they have to be on all platforms. Okay. Pick and choose the ones that you want to be f- future oriented to okay. your future um and but but monitor them you know find out which ones leverage your interest the best which ones will showcase what you've got to offer in the best way and one of the things that that students that you know are shocked by is we actually love facebook okay i mean facebook is the gorilla in the room compared yes. to every single other platform. And you're seeing younger people moving away from it. Well, I mean, you, you always kind of, you know, hear that, but yeah, which there's is, a purpose for it. Right. And it, it, it's why, um, again, going back to the green pastures yes. reference I made before, um, it's not going to interfere with their social life. <laughs> right. Yes. And, and yet people are comfortable with Facebook and, and especially in the admissions office, most of that demographic would be comfortable with it. And, Facebook has so many features. It is by far the most sophisticated platform for what you can do, how you can define your audience. So it really is a great way to show your values. We, we love community service. We think genuine, mm-hmm. committed, genuine yes, yes. community service, not a boondoggle in Peru for That's a right. weekend. That's right. But a genuine long-term community service is best presented on Facebook because of the, the utilization of photos and observations and, and, and the timeline. It's, it's, it's really amazing because, you know, for the, the novice like myself, but please follow me at Dean Ferda. I, I hear Twitter actually still has something going, so I really appreciate uh, I that. I followed you this morning. <laughs> you followed me this morning. Thank you. I'm up to 12 people. Uh, you know, thinking about, you know, when you, when, you, when you think about kind of the social media of the future, and I think this could be interesting for the last couple of minutes as we talk about, you know, career paths. You know, right now, someone would say, boy, I'd love to be a social media entrepreneur. You have a law degree, right? You had an epiphany six years ago, Labor Day, thinking about social assurity. You know, for the, the, the students that are listening to us right now and the, for the parents that are going to share this on demand on the Sirius XM app with their, with their child, 
It's how do you relate your career path to where you are today? You know, what are some of those skills as an attorney and a young undergraduate up at SUNY Albany? Shout out to the 518, grew up in that area. Go great things. That's it. Fantastic. So, you know, you have a great job, a really interesting job. So how did you connect those different parts? And what advice would you give to a young person thinking about career? Well, I think um, two questions in there, which I'll try to answer real quick. Um, I I think determination and and resilience and perseverance are just absolutely necessary these days. In fact, everybody, most most parents want to raise a perfect child. You know, straight A's, everything is perfect. Perfection is highly overrated. That's right. Because failure is what teaches you. That's right. And if you can overcome failure with resilience and perseverance, I would have quit social surety in the first six months. It was not doing what I wanted it to do. Amazing. So you have to stay, you have to learn, you have to adjust. And these are the skills that I think would appeal to a college. That's right. About a student, because they don't want a student to come in, get frustrated and quit. Um, But the other thing is going through college and and looking for employment these days, second part of that question. Yes. Um, it's a whole different world out there. Social media, if you view it, and I teach this, is a huge database. Yes. And people can put in <laughs> queries um, and find it, the people they want that have the skills or the interest that they know will be needed to succeed in a, in a job role. That's right. Or whatever position they may be looking for. So you have to be on social media and you have to be discoverable. And that is key. You have to be looking at social media as a potential recruitment tool. So if you're not there, if you're not optimized by keywords and a whole bunch of other features, you're never going to be found. That's right. And we teach that because you have to be armed with that as you're preparing to get yourself into the workforce. So then trying to be found, how can people find you in the last couple seconds? Well, you can uh, visit our website at socialassurity.com. And if you're on Twitter, we're at socialassurity. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, just search Alan Katzman. I've got my URL, and I'll be the first one who comes up. That's fantastic. Alan, thank you for joining the show last weekend of July from New York City without Eileen cunningham Vikings this time, but we'll get her back at the end of August, and we want you to be with us. So give us a call, 866-993-8267. Have a great weekend, everyone, and good luck with the process.